HRN listeners. As we celebrate our 15th year, we are deepening our commitment to giving voice to the next generation of food system storytellers, and we need your help. Our internship and fellowship programs help activate new possibilities for underrepresented and underestimated young people through experiential journalism, audio engineering, and production training. Through these unique programs, HRN helps food equity stewards build essential workforce readiness skills that expand their potential and foster economic mobility. Please consider supporting these critical programs. And with a minimum donation, you can be entered to win a dinner for two at an amazing restaurant in one of eight cities and tickets to a concert at a great venue in one of those cities. We have incredible partners across the country who have donated as they also share our passion for helping to educate the next generation of food system storytellers. Check out heritageradionetwork.org 15 to donate and enter to win today. That's heritageradionetwork.org 15 to donate and enter to win today. And make sure you donate before March 31st. Thank you. Today's program is brought to you by Corin, supplier of Japanese chef knives and restaurant supplies. For more information, visit Corin.com. You're listening to Heritage Radio Network. We're a member-supported food radio network broadcasting over 35 weekly shows live from Bushwick, Brooklyn. Join our hosts as they lead you through the world of craft brewing, behind the scenes of the restaurant industry, inside the battle over school food, and beyond. Find us at heritageradionetwork.org. Welcome to Japan Needs. I'm your host, Akiko Tema, food writer and the director of the New York Japanese Culinary Academy, which promotes a deeper understanding of Japanese cuisine in America. We are broadcasting live from the studio at Roberta's in Bushwick, Brooklyn. This show is all about Japanese food and food culture. We see sushi at every daily supermarket, but what is beyond sushi? We hear dashi, ramen, sakaya, but what exactly are they? Japanese food is still a mystery for many people, and I try to demystify it in this program with my co-guests. My guest today is Yudai Kanayama, who is the owner of the Izakaya, a casual Japanese restaurant in East Village in New York City, and the creative director of the Sunrise at the Canal Street Market in Chinatown, which offers bento boxes, Japanese curry rice, and pour-over miso soup in a cup. Um, both eateries became very successful and have a loyal fan, fan base. And uh, he also has a Japanese-style sandwich shop called Sandos. And there are so many Japanese restaurants outside of Japan, but it's not easy to find ones that exemplify the essence of Japanese restaurant culture. And Yuda is trying to communicate the unique Japanese tradition that is yet to be known outside of Japan. So today, we'll discuss how Yudai switched his career from fashion to food and became a restaurateur, and how he, how he communicates Japanese tradition in New York City through his restaurants, and his new sake bar opening soon. But quickly, we, before we start, Japan Needs is available on Heritage Video Network uh, website, as well as on iTunes, Stitcher, and Spotify as a podcast. So please go to iTunes, Stitcher, and Spotify, and subscribe to Japan Needs. And please uh, write a review. We really appreciate your feedback. And also, if you have any uh, ideas about topics of the show or show guests, please let us know. And you can email us at japanneeds at heritageradionetwork.org or katema.com. And I have an announcement. On Wednesday, October 10th, 
there will be a special event called New York Chefs Celebrate Japan. It's a benefit for the Gohan Society. The Gohan Society is a 501c3 non-profit organization which aims to foster an understanding of Japanese culinary heritage in the United States through various meaningful activities, including American Chefs Training Program in Japan. And at this special event, it's a dinner event, and 27 chefs from New York City's best restaurants will cook dinner for you, including Gramercy Tavern, Daniel, Nobu, Morimoto, Bule at Home, uh, Contra, and many others, including the Michelin two-star Zenia of Kanazawa of Japan. And uh, the Karini expert and the television personality, Andrew Zimmerman, will be in attendance and auctioning off an amazing prize, which is Dinner for 14, prepared by Andrew himself, Chef Michael Anthony McGramacy Tavern and Untitled, and Chef Gavin Kaysen of Minneapolis Restaurant, Spoon and Stable in the winner's home. So for tickets, please go to uh, gohansociety.org and uh, Gohan Events. Uh, it's gohansociety.org slash gohan hyphen events. And finally, um, I will be moderating an event at the Japan Society in New York City on Wednesday, October 24th um, at 6.30 p.m. And the theme of uh, the event is a crafting beer, traditional techniques, modern brews, and the Joshua Bernstein, he's a beer journalist and author of uh, Homebrew World, discover the secrets of both leading home brewers. Uh, he will trace how Japanese sake techniques and the producers are influencing traditional global craft beer trends. And the talk and discussion will be followed by a tasting of Japanese craft beers and the beers influenced by Japan. For tickets, uh, go to japansociety.org, that is japansociety.org. So now let's start a conversation with Yurai Kanehara. Hello, Yurai. Welcome to Japanese. Hi. Uh, thank you for having me here today. Okay. Uh, it's my honor to be here, especially after listening to the heroes in the industry. <laughs> I'm neither a uh, chef nor the uh, sommelier, mm. <laughs> but I just do what I like to do. What I just uh, I just do what I love and with the passion, and mm. I just I'm excited to share. Uh, yeah, what I have done and what I will do in the future. Mm, right. Well, that's the whole point of uh, having you here, and I'm so excited to have you. So, so let's talk about uh, your background first. So where are you from, and uh, what did you eat when you grew up? Uh, I'm from Sapporo, Hokkaido, Japan. Uh, I was there only till when I was 18 years old, mm-hmm. so I really didn't go to fancy restaurants. Uh, but I was just eating a lot of fresh fish. Uh, you know, Hokkaido is known for the uh, the freshest, one mm-hmm. of the freshest fishes uh, in Japan. And uh, yeah, I just uh, go to the ocean uh, and talk to the uh, fishermen <laughs> after coming back, uh, catching a lot of fishes uh, with my dad. In the morning, I just go there and then they just show what they got. They just... Uh, Say uh, this is what we got. We uh, we we got a lot of fishes today. Why don't you take some? So oh, that's wow. that's how I got to eat a lot of flesh fish for like almost nothing, no money. <laughs> oh wow! Well, yeah. that's what uh, fancy restaurant chefs do. So without yeah. going to the restaurant, <laughs> you have that. Um, okay. So when and why did you come to New York? Uh, I came here uh, in 2009 as a college student. I it's not really here. It's upstate New York. Uh, I went to university there and study fashion, which was uh, my passion back then. Uh, I mean, it's still my thing, and I still do that too. Mm. But uh, yeah, I really loved the countryside of New York, and I enjoy the nature, and I still go there uh, on the weekends. I, I need it sometimes, you know, I'm, when I'm in New York City mm. for a while, I still need to go 
to enjoy the nature. And I really loved restaurants on the main street、uh, of the college town that I, go, that I went to.、Mm. You went、uh, to Suni? Yes,、right? Suni, yeah. Onionta is like five hours away from here.、Mm. But yeah, I may be the only one still going back to that town. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but I really loved it. And I studied there for three years, finished、uh, four years college in three years. And I had another、uh, extra year to do、uh, another study at FIT. So、mm. that's, I,、uh, I transferred to FIT in 2012 and finished、uh, their one year program there too.、Mm, it's amazing that、uh, you, know, you just said、uh, you didn't go outside、uh, Hokkaido before 18, but you have amazing、uh, English skills and also you skipped、uh, the grade and then went to FIT. So that's very impressive.、Uh, yeah, I just wanted to do as many things as I could do.、Uh, so I was taking a lot of classes in a semester. And it's, I'm happy that I could study at FIT at the end. I mean, I think staying in the nature is good, but then at the same time, I still needed the experience in the city too.、Mm, right. And、uh, so, what was、uh, special about fashion to you? Well,、uh, I think I've always liked the fashion、uh, since I was young.、Uh, growing up with my、uh, grandmother, it was very, very fashionable, wearing all these crazy stuff <laughs> every day. <laughs> and I, I, grew, I grew up with her、uh, all the time. And well, I even chose the high school with no school uniform just because I, want, I didn't want to wear the school uniform and、mm. look looks like the same people as other people.、Mm. So, yeah, I chose the. You know, no school uniform school, and I was even trying hard to not to wear the same clothes like every single day. <laughs> That's why I was working. At, I mean, I started Arubaito, the part time job, for the first time in my life just to buy the clothing, and then I spent all of my money there.、So. Oh, wow. Yeah.、Mm, yeah, whenever I see you, you, you look, you, you stand out in the crowd because your clothes are so personal, and something, there's always something cool about it. So that makes sense. Um, so, after graduating from FIT,、um, you worked for a clothing company in New York. So, what kind of job was it and what did you do?、Uh, what did you learn from it? Okay,、uh, I worked at a, a Japanese retailer called 45 RPM. 45 produces like, the, most,、uh, the highest quality Japanese that is made in Okayama Prefecture.、Mm. And yeah, it is really expensive, like, it's over $1,000 a pair of denim.、Uh, so, I was a sales associate at the store. I started as a sales person. And I was you know, talking to the customers, explaining why it's over $1,000. You know, Sometimes it took me like an hour to explain what it is. I mean, <laughs> t- in order to sell that kind of expensive thing, you have to talk about everything, not just what it is, but about like a background, how it's made, and stuff like that. So it was just. Uh, yeah, like natural for me to talk about things for a long time. It doesn't matter if it's expensive or not. That's, how I, that's who I am now, I think. That's、mm. what I learned.、Uh, to sell things, you have to really explain、uh, with、uh, fun stories, maybe.、Mm. Well, in other words, though, do you have to believe in the value of、uh, that $1,500 jeans、mm-hmm. or something, right? Yeah, yeah I always I don't sell anything I don't like.、Uh, and I just I think it's. Really coming out from my passion and love of what I sell, what I do. So、mm. I think it's really important to love what you do. Right. Yeah. So that's、uh, what I think it's uber in your life. I think that's the impression that your kind of consistency and、uh, you believe, strong belief in something. That's, I think, what you do.、Um, all right. So we're going to talk about it more. 
to your restaurant experience, but um, why did you get decided to get into the food industry? So I was uh, looking for something else to do uh, after quitting the uh, previous uh, job and the roommate. Uh, back wait, wait, then. but you decided to quit the job? Uh, yeah. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> well, it was my first time to be in this uh, very strict uh, Japanese, like a traditional working environment. I, although I enjoyed uh, and I loved what I was selling, uh, I just really <laughs> couldn't mm. adjust to that kind of environment yet. And I was in New York City mm. and I just thought I wanted to do something that's more <laughs> maybe New York, <laughs> not too Japanese. And yeah, mm. I really felt sometimes a lot of stress and I thought stress, being stressed is the worst thing in life. I, don't, I just want to live longer by not doing <laughs> anything stressful. Right. Well, that's interesting. Like sometimes um, I think you come across people working for a Japanese company subsidiary or something here in New York City, you really think, wow, this is as if we are in Japan. So there's a strong corporate culture. Yeah. Right. Okay, so uh, suddenly you opened the Izakaya in 2015. So how did it happen? So yeah, I met uh, the roommate uh, who was a chef uh, and he came to me and said, when I was looking for a job, he came to me and said, uh, Yudai, I only know how to cook. I don't know anything else, but I want to open the restaurant. And he's like, can you do everything else? And, you know, I said, uh, I think I can do it. It's just the difference between selling clothes and mm. food. And I feel I, I see the bigger potential even in food because people need to eat to survive, but they don't really need to wear the fancy denim to mm. survive. So... That's how it started, and his uh, friends, uh, who are our partners uh, in Izakaya, mm. uh, we just came together and we invested, all of us invested some money to start the Izakaya. Mm. Right. Okay, so um, so how do you describe the essence of Japanese Izakaya? Because the Izakaya, <laughs> you name it the Izakaya, right? right? So you wanted to express something. Yeah, so uh, to be honest, I came here at the age of 18, even before <laughs> trying to uh, many many izakayas in Japan. I haven't tried it. When I came here, I really didn't know what it was. I really had to go, I had to go back to Japan to try a lot of things mm. before opening. Mm. And I really love uh, the culture of sharing uh, all those small delicious plates with friends and drinks and uh yeah so i really wanted to do exactly the same way that they do in japan uh so we don't like we don't want to do sushi because that's mm. not what the izakaya is like a traditional izakaya will never do sushi it's mm. i would tell customers when they come into the restaurant and ask me if we have sushi i said I know a good sushi restaurant and that you should go to that kind of place. Mm. And that happened many, many times. And maybe some people would consider having sushi after seeing the potential in sushi. But then our core is to stay true to what the actual izakayas are in Japan. Mm. So, uh, you know, we lost a lot of customers. But at the same time, we got a lot of people who wanted to know what the izakaya is. That's why we named our restaurant The Izakaya. Mm. And I'm... You know, I'm looking forward to seeing the 
time that people were saying let's go to the izakaya and I just want to hear this the izakaya and I want to see uh, izakaya uh, aside from the Jap- regular Japanese I want to create this category establish the category izakaya aside from the, the regular Japanese restaurant just like sushi restaurant normal mm. restaurant izakaya is a different category of restaurant so you know the izakaya is the name of the restaurant at the same time it's a category of the restaurant mm. that I wanted to establish Right. <coughs> so you mentioned the sharing, and I think uh, whenever you go to Japanese traditional izakaya, there's uh, energy, and uh, I think servers usually say, it's like a screaming, like right. a lot of energy, fast, and the food is reasonable, and uh, again, shared by people. Mm. And it's almost like you are eating at somebody's house. Right, yeah. You know, even uh, sometimes people orders uh, our signature like chicken number and dish uh, f- group of four orders four of them I say <laughs> uh, no I, you cannot order four things things <laughs> I want you to enjoy the variety and uh, that's how mm. I'm educating them uh, sometimes I think I have to say no uh, because that's not the way I want people to enjoy I want people to know what the izakaya is mm. so if I say yes to that kind of order that would be just a regular Japanese restaurant. Yeah. Mm, right. You, so that's like, um, if you go to a regular American restaurant, you just pick an appetizer entree for your own mm-hmm. and then without sharing. Although that trend is kind of changing. But right. So, yeah, that's the shared spirit, casual, celebrate uh, the occasion, mm-hmm. the kind of uh, festive feeling, I think, is a part of izakaya. Yes. Okay, so... Um, so at the restaurant, um, so you, I think um, it's a great izakaya place, but uh, I think you mentioned that you really try to educate people. Like you said, don't order chicken number for four of them. Yeah. So how do you, uh, other than that, how do you try to educate people? Right. Uh, well, I think it's coming from my experience selling a thousand dollar denim. Uh, for me, it was normal thing to do uh, to talk about things for in detail. Uh, even at the restaurant, I, I didn't think it's a different thing. Uh, like I said, I think it's just the difference between selling clothes or food. So the way I saw things was the same. Uh, so I was talking one hour about the $1,000 denim, and I was explaining about this addictive cabbage for 10 minutes, which mm-hmm. was, for me, was just 10 minutes. <laughs> Some people think it's a lot of talk just to explain <laughs> what the addictive cabbage is, but I just really, I didn't even think. It just, it's my natural behavior, and I talk about things for a long time uh, because I, it seems that they didn't know what it was, and I really wanted to explain with my passion. Uh, and, yeah, the foods are good i think a lot of lessons serve the good food but mm. what makes difference us from the from the other places is the the way we uh, communicate with the customer the way we educate the customers mm. and i mean new york times that's how we i think we got on new york times saying they're saying on the article that they've never seen anybody explaining about this cabbage <laughs> simple cabbage dish for 10 minutes and they really enjoy that experience mm. so we are trying to give the best experience that they can have okay so can you do a 30 second version of addictive cabbage what is uh, it <laughs> <laughs> well i mean so addictive cabbage was really important for us to be famous uh 
well that's addictive cabbage uh, yamitsuki cabbage is the thing uh, that most people usually order at the izakaya in japan i mean when i went to izakaya in japan that's what everybody ordered at the beginning mm. so i thought something that everybody ordered has to be amazing or delicious uh interesting mm. so we realized that we need to make the best addictive cabbage uh, by putting a lot of effort to it so the chef and i discussed and we discovered this uh the new type of addictive cabbage that's been salted and massaged for such a long time and we spent like uh, a lot of time to just make addictive cabbage mm. which even in japan maybe they don't do it they just uh chop the cabbage and put the salt and sesame oil that's mm-hmm. that's what the like uh, actual addictive cabbage is but then we almost pickle them like we don't really pickle them but it's it's been salted and massaged and washed and it gets like a lot of i mean it gets amazing texture to it and then people loved it and we still don't compromise uh after like knowing that it's a lot of work and then we have to compromise the other things sometimes because of the cabbage <laughs> I st- and then the chef comes to me and says uh, do we need to still do this and I say yes that's that we need the addictive cabbage first and other things later <laughs> so, mm. yeah but I think it's that important to do right. uh, yeah. the consistency and also I think you know you have to be proud of what do you do to talk about right. the product of the passion? Yeah. So. Yeah, and the core, uh, the concept of what I do, I mean, whatever I do is to make the place that employees, that workers love the most. Mm. Uh, that's the first thing that I try to do before even making customer like it. Because I think the vibe created from those employees who love what they're doing mm. it's something that's unbeatable uh, that which couldn't make customer like that place so mm. i think first thing is to make the place that employees like and then customer will like that kind of place mm. uh, so that's why we create the menu together all of the employees together uh, talk about what we can do to improve and and uh, yeah i want all of my employees to come to my restaurant on the day off mm. I think that's the most convincing t- thing to the customer <laughs> mm. this is the restaurant that even the employees go when they're not working mm. I think that's what I want to do and that yeah a lot of things I will do I will do the same way mm. right sounds like it's like a community and a place to be so it's amazing and uh, I think you mentioned that chicken number so just for our listeners who's not familiar with chicken number, uh, what is chicken number? So it's a deep fried uh, chicken uh, that's dipped in uh, like a sweet and sour uh, soy sauce uh, based sauce. Mm. And after that, we put the homemade uh, tartar sauce on top. It's like a Japanese white sauce that we make. And it's, it's the, the combination of those two different sauces uh, makes it amazing. Yeah. Mm. Right, it's really classic and uh, sounds like you really offer very traditional menu mm. items, but yeah. uh, commitment, higher quality mm-hmm. items. Yeah, it's been on the menu since the opening and not all the menu stays forever, but this is one of the few things that's still there and it's still been the uh, signature and mm-hmm. that everybody orders and mm. like the addictive cabbage. Right, okay. And uh, I also know that you offer uh, curry doria. Yes. 
Yeah, what is it? Yeah, so everybody asks me the same question, what the Doria is. <laughs> I, mean, I don't know I mean, the origin of the name, but Doria is basically, uh, uh, comes with the butter rice uh, and some kind of sauce and cheese on top. It could be any kind of combination. So curry doria, in this case, is the sauce is curry. So and with the butter rice and cheese on top, that's why it's curry doria, and it's prepared in uh, the oven. And we we wait until the cheese get melted on the top, and it's it's I think it's more like a Europeanized Japanese dish that's really really popular. A lot of people love Japanese curry, but mm. I don't know if many people do. Doria and uh, yeah. Doria is something that we wanted to yeah. know, bring in. I think it's a relatively new uh, invention, I think. Right. Yeah, yeah, it's like a very super comfort food. Mm-hmm. And uh, yeah, it's, it's, it sounds weird, but it's very traditional Japanese yeah. food. Right. right. <laughs> it's a Yoshakura, Western style Japanese. Yes. Okay. Um, so, why do you think the Yoizakaya, the Izakaya, became so popular? Uh, all uh, all the essences that I've talked, uh, so it's the lesson that the uh, workers love the most. It's the lesson that I love the most when customer ask me, uh, "What's your favorite restaurant?" Without a doubt, I say, "It's the izakaya. It's my restaurant, uh, mm. and that's what all of my employees do too." Yeah, I, yeah, I think that's very convincing. And also that story about all the dishes uh, makes people like excited. Mm. <laughs> and exp- I mean, yeah, it's like I said before, no one is trying to make bad food. Everybody <laughs> makes good food. If they want to open the restaurant, they should have good food. Mm. Uh, so uh, me, as a person who's coming from different uh, field, uh, thanks the other elements uh, than food uh, are the uh, really important things to consider. Mm. Uh, the way we brand the restaurant, you know, nowadays a lot of restaurants do amazing branding and that's really important and the social media thing. Mm. Uh, yeah, but we really, we've never spent any money on PR. And we, I think, we think ourselves uh, could be on PR inside the restaurant by mm. giving an amazing uh, experience at inside that's i think more convincing than those pr that's brought by uh, with uh, with the money mm. yes. right it sounds like uh, you learned so much from uh, your experience in fashion and uh, you know your corporate experience with japanese company right. to sell yeah right yeah and i think also you told me that um before you know the fashion on uh, it's the same clothes but uh you know, uh, if you go to fashion show, you really understand there's a story behind it. Right. You'll feel like, oh, wow, this is awesome. Yeah, and that's, I'm more interested in the story than mm. actual products. Mm. And, and I think, yeah, that's why I, exp- I, I put the focus on, uh, emphasis on the uh, stories behind it, the mm. backstory, yeah. Mm. With the value behind right. it. Yes. Okay, so let's take a quick break here, and then when we come back, we will talk about Yuda's exciting project at the new Essex Street Market. So please stay with us. All I got said tonight, 
Today's program is brought to you by Corin, supplier of Japanese chef knives and restaurant supplies. Corin is proud of their Japanese culture and traditions, but they want you to know that their products are not just for Japanese restaurants. Their knives and tableware bring out the best qualities of food from every culture and fit into every restaurant, from French to Pan Asian to American. And that is why they're located in New York City, where people from every country in the world come to eat. Corin's unique store in Lower Manhattan is home to perhaps the most extensive collection of Japanese chef knives in the world, including Japan, plus the rarest natural sharpening stones and exquisitely designed tableware. They also host special events such as knife sharpening demonstrations and parties with New York's most famous chefs and restaurateurs. Corin is dedicated to this ideal. Bringing the implicit and elegance of Japanese culture to your table, be it in your home or in the finest restaurant. For more information, visit Corin.com. Welcome back. You're listening to Japan Eats broadcasting live from a studio in Bushwick, Brooklyn. I'm your host, Aki Kotayama, and my guest today is Yudai Kanayama, who's the owner of the Izakaya, a casual Japanese restaurant in East Village. And the creative director of Sunrise at the Canal Street Market in Chinatown, which offers bento boxes, Japanese curry rice, and a pour over miso soup in a cup. So, um, so as I just said, you have an interesting concept, Sunrise at the Canal Street Market, uh, since May 2017. So, what is the concept of Sunrise? So, uh, Sunrise uh, is. Uh, company uh, is the name of a store that's owned by this Japanese holding company called Agri Holding. Agri Holding is a company that uh, exports uh, rice, Japanese rice, and introduces the uh, beauty of Japanese rice. So, uh, Samurai New York uh, started as a place to introduce、uh, Japanese rice that's made in Japan.、Uh, Yeah, they have、uh, five locations, four or five locations in Singapore, Samurai Singapore.、Mm-hmm. Uh, they have、uh, their onigiri、uh, rice ball spots. So we started here in New York also as an onigiri、uh, shop. But、uh, just realized that we wanted to do more than just onigiri.、Uh, you know, using Japanese rice, we could do many, many other things.、Mm-hmm. Uh, so we became.、Uh, More like a Japanese lunch spot、uh, where you can find the、uh, freshly made bento box, not like the one that's been already made and put it in the refrigerator. We、mm-hmm. get the order and we make the、uh, bento box later for each customer.、Mm-hmm. And also, we do the、uh, aside of bento, we do、uh, pull over dashi,、uh, just like. Uh, we make coffee. We use the same set as, the, as when, you use the,、uh, when you make coffee, when you drip the coffee.、Mm, like、uh, if you go to like, Blue Bottle Coffee, right, you just pour、yeah. pour. <laughs> that's exactly what we have at the station at、mm. the、uh, Canal Street Market,、uh, Samurai's New York. We、uh, put the,、uh, this amazing、uh, pressed vegetables and、uh, mushrooms like,、uh, and seaweed、mm. uh, that's invented by、uh, Atsushi in Nakahigashi Kun.、Mm. Yeah, uh, he, he was he also in the show, show, I guess. Yeah. Yeah, episode 58. Right. Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah, we use that thing and、uh, put it in the cone,、uh, in the filter, with the extra bonito flake、mm. and pour the hot water,、uh, filter through. And then you get amazing dashi、mm. inside the cup. 
and the cup has the missile uh, of your choice. You can choose like a dark wow. lit missile or the yellow or whatever. I was a missile. Mm. So we, we let them choose, the customer choose the missile and then we make the missile soup mm. in front of each customer. So that's, I think, I think if you think about it, like even the fancy expensive Japanese restaurants don't serve them. I mean, don't make the missile soup light away. I mean, it's maybe some miso soup has, was already made and then they serve it to the customers mm. I think it's really amazing luxurious experience that you see how miso soup has, is being made and we do it like one by one for each customer mm, including dashi right, it's fresh yeah, too yes yeah, so and then you really smell amazing dashi flavor we mm. don't we say to the customer uh, people think this is like a performance but it's really not a performance it's the way that we think it's the best way to get the most Mm. umami out of these amazing vegetables and it's really actually uh, the miso soup is actually delicious and mm. very very flavorful a lot of American people they try and they say it's the most flavorful miso soup that they've ever tried mm. and I think it's also interesting that we serve it in a cup so you know sometimes at the restaurant at my restaurant a lot of com- uh, customers ask me if I can get the spoon to uh, eat, uh, eat the miso soup well, that's really not the way miso soup should be mm. eaten. I mean, in Japan, we don't even say eat the soup. We say drink the soups. I want everybody to drink it. I thought about how can I make people here drink the soup. And finally, <laughs> I think we came up with this answer. By serving the cup of miso soup, they don't even need a spoon anymore. Mm. And then now they're drinking the miso soup. It's a dream came true. <laughs> right. That's an interesting point, right? Because I, I was hesitate. Yeah. How shall I say eat or drink and right. eat soup, drink the soup? Yeah. We never eat, eat soup. So. Right. I mean, yeah, so miso soup is not about, I don't think what's inside, but it's more about the dashi. I want people to enjoy that soup. So we don't really put anything inside. It's just the dashi and miso. Mm. It's the simplest form of miso soup, so they don't need a spoon at all. It's like instead of coffee, maybe they could try the, uh, the miso soup. Yeah. Right. Yeah, so... I think it's a great idea because I think even for me, traditionally, I have to wait for dinner or breakfast, whatever it is. I have to sit at the table and uh, drink miso soup. But this way, in a cup, I can just drink all day if I wanted to. Right, yeah. And I'm hoping to see the line of people mm. are waiting for a cup of miso soup in the morning soon. Yeah. Right. Yeah, um, you know, like uh, broth has been popular. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's, it's the same idea of a Western stock became uh, broth and beef right. broth, whatever, like a brodo by uh, Chef Mark Kanora. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I think it's a new way. Instead of drinking coffee or tea, right. that's uh, an interesting and nutritious yeah. way to yeah. enjoy beverage. Right. And we also make uh, ochazuke. It's uh, uh, like a comfort food in Japan. Uh, it's a bowl of rice and with the topping on top, and then we pour the dashi over it. So... We do the same way for the ochazuke. We do uh, hand drip the uh, dashi mm. and pour over this nicely decorated mountain of rice with the beautiful color topping and yeah, with the amazing dashi on top. Then that's the ochazuke that we have at the Kenoshi Market. And mm. ochazuke, I don't think it's a fancy thing. It's more like uh, for me, it was a. Uh, the leftover salmon from last night's salty and then next day right. maybe I would uh, <laughs> make a ochazuke with that because mm. it's too salty now and then you can 
put it on, with dashi and then it gets uh, it makes amazing ochazuke. That's so, really good. I, yeah, I yeah, look forward yeah, to it actually. Right. <laughs> so yeah, I mean our ochazuke looks better than I think the original ones in Japan and mm. it, it's t- it, it tastes good too sometime in a cold day you want to try that. Mm. Well, I'll come and see you there soon for ochazuke too. Yeah. <laughs> um, okay, so and also I heard you're working on a new project and it's um with the p- some same partner with Samurai's. Yes. And it's, uh, I heard, a sake bar. Yes. So, what is going on there? Uh, so, there is a very big uh, development happening in uh, Lower East Side of Manhattan. Uh, the SX market has been there for a long time on the SX street. Mm. But then they are trying to expand it uh, into something very huge and they're gonna have a movie theater and they're gonna have boring lane mm. they're gonna have even school and medical care system as a center or something like that and in the basement of the movie theater mm. they will have the food hall like a food court and they uh, they didn't announce the uh, vendors yet but I've heard uh, them from them that there's gonna be a biggest like a beer hall and a wine hall wow. uh, inside the market mm. and, and then we approached them and said I think you're missing one thing uh, if there is a beer hall and a wine hall why don't, we, why don't you let us do the sake hall mm, boom. <laughs> yeah, so we're trying to be just like the other beer hall and a wine hall we are trying to be mm. kind of the biggest uh, sake hall in the states and that's that's the project happening that now. Yes. Right. Yeah, I heard. Uh, I mean, the Essex Street Market. I think its history goes back to like 1940s something. Yes. Mm-hmm. And uh, and I heard it's going to be like nine buildings. It's a huge yes. complex, right? And uh, I heard it like 40 vendors in total. Yes. Mm-hmm. So I can't wait. So do you know when, when it's going to happen? It's going to uh, open. Well, I think the early next year, 2019, maybe March. February, mm. oh, that's what they say in New York. Everything takes longer than <laughs> <laughs> expected. So right, maybe yeah. in the summer. Right. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Right. Okay. So, um, what kind of concept? Like you know, sake bar could be anything. Yes. Uh, so, uh, whatever uh, I do, uh, I did in the past, and I do from now. I don't want to make it. Japanese. I mean, it is Japanese already. Uh, we have uh, a lot of sake and with the Japanese food. But I think when I want to introduce something new to this country, it's, uh, I think, important to have this environment that they are very used to. Mm-hmm. So uh, I don't want to make it like a classic looking Japanese place because I, I also because I don't really know what they are yet I'm, <laughs> I'm still young I'm too young to know what the classic real Japanese sake places are but I know uh, from experiencing a lot of bars in New York and there are a lot of people drinking a lot and I'm hoping that people drink sake just like they do at the the bar they go to so, mm. so we're, try- we're saying sake only bar uh, so it's it'll be like a bar and with the good food that's the important part with the good food because uh, in New York I finish eating at the nice restaurant I go to a bar and maybe I'm still hungry and I want to eat just I, I don't want to eat a lot because I'm not that hungry but I'm I want to maybe try one or a few mm. two things and 
there's not many places I have found yet that you can just have one drink with one good food. So that I think is our concept. That would be our concept. Something that you can just stop by anytime, like without hesitation. Like a lot of places, either it's a restaurant and you have to go and eat a lot and spend some money, or there's a bar, a lot of bars there with just、uh, snacking out、mm. from the package, you know? So、right. I want to、yeah. be like right in the middle that people can come with. Not, they don't need to order a lot, but they can just drink with the good small plates.、Mm, yeah. It's like a tsumami. Yes, yeah,、mm. a lot of tsunami. And、uh, yeah, so I, we,、uh, me and my partner didn't go back to Japan、uh, to learn,、uh, to get the inspiration. We instead went to these、uh, Pinterest places in Europe.、Uh, mm. Like San Sebastian was、uh, the best place to get our inspiration, I think.、Mm. Well, I just really loved uh, uh, the culture uh, of uh, hashigo, is like a Japanese word、uh, that means going to bar after another, like one another. You go to this bar, drink one beer with one of two small things, and then you go to another one next to, right next to it, and、mm. then you have something else there, and then you go to another one. You guys, and I really love that culture, but in New York, I don't think you can do it、mm. <laughs> because <laughs> oh, it's too expensive. And like I said, there's no bars with good food,、uh, not many bars. I don't know if there's no,、mm. but there's not too many bars like that with the good food. So I want to see yeah, people doing hashigo here. <laughs> right. Oh, that's interesting because、yeah. uh, almost all restaurants have、um, you know, the waiting bar, like、yes. a bar setting, but. You have to probably order appetizer、mm-hmm. and whatever. But you know, the, this, I think one time people started to serve bar menu.、Mm-hmm. Um, I don't think it's、uh, so popular anymore. Yeah. So, yeah, and it's a Spanish、uh, bar、mm-hmm. culture. Yeah, is, yeah.、Um, I really loved it. And,、uh, right. I didn't need to spend a lot of money after going to five different bars. With, like, I became so full <laughs> after that. Yeah. But, right. Yeah, yeah. And interesting, so tsumami, that's,、uh, you know, Pick or pinch in Japanese.、Mm-hmm. And、uh, I think、uh, it's not a coincidence that in pinchos、yeah. in Spanish it's、yeah. the same thing. I、meaning. really saw a lot of similarities between、uh, pinchos and Japanese foods. I mean, there's a lot of things on the stick, just looks like a yakitori. Right. And, <laughs> and I, there's a, in, I mean, interesting combination of two or three different fishes, like sashimi, we, which we never would do. Like, we don't. Mix two sashimi together and we <laughs> eat them together. That's like no way, but I think it's such a new thing and it could work、uh, as a tsunami too.、Mm. Yeah, I think it was a good, great time to, to see、uh, what's outside New York and it's not here yet. So we、mm. were kind of stuck in the idea、uh, staying here in New York for a long time and we want to do something new and something that's not here yet. So、mm. in Japanese, not to, I mean, we didn't go to Japan, we went to some, somewhere else to get something interesting.、Yeah. Right. So, how do you incorporate that story element by educating sake, each sake? Or? Yeah,、uh, so we're trying to get、uh, a lot of sake, you know, hopefully, the largest section of the sake in,、uh, in New York.、Uh, well, I think it's very difficult to tell the difference、uh, of the sake compared to the wines or compared to the beers that、mm. taste really different depending on what kind of beer you're drinking. But the sake, Very, very difficult to educate. So, well, of course, I need to talk about what Jumai is, what Jumai Ginjo is, what Jumai Dai Ginjo is. But I think more important than, than that, I think, is, well, maybe、uh, I need to do a different approach. Like、uh, this、uh, original sake that's 
uh, that's being made for us now for the sake bar they uh, came up with this idea of selling sake uh, not by the taste or not by the kind of sake but by the mood of the day so like they're making sake for a rainy day sake for a sunny day mm. <laughs> i think it's such a great idea to sell that way uh especially the when the audience is somebody who really are not who are not really familiar with the taste of sake i mm. think there uh, there are so so many different ways that i could come up with uh not just by the taste or by the kind of sake but i think that's mm. one of our ways right. that's to to you know make this sake a thing that's as big as wine and beer right <laughs> well to be honest personally that only thing matters what the wife feel like drinking yeah and today i don't care that you enjoy to my daginja it's okay i just want to have something that fits in uh, today's yeah whatever yes. it is so i asked them how are you feeling today and this i'm i'm on a, i'm relaxing today and then i have a sake for a relaxing day and that, mm. that's what they drink and then they really if they like it that's that's good right <laughs> Wow, that's exciting. Um, well, I am hoping maybe you can get uh, one thing I'm really missing here in New York. I mean, we have Brooklyn Kura and uh, Dubtail Sake on the Boston, near Boston. Yes. But I really want to taste more American made craft sake. Yeah, mm-hmm. so yeah I can really yeah, love Brooklyn Kura and uh, we carry that sake in the Izakaya too. Uh, yeah, I think it's amazing. Uh, I mean, everything is yeah, made with the ingredients, uh, like lo- locally sourced in the States. I mean, the rice, they, maybe some of the ingredients they get from Japan. But I think it's interesting the way they sell, the way they brand themselves, which is really different from the way I think classic uh, sakagura in Japan do. Mm. And I take it as something else. I mean, it's, it's really uh, delicious and I, think I love it a lot and I like the stories too so that's mm-hmm. why I, I think I can sell this well it's delicious at the same time it has a story to it so, right yeah. okay so uh, yeah please keep me posted and when it's open maybe you can come back and talk about it yes okay so uh, you have another project and that's called Sandos mm-hmm. so what is it yeah so Sandos uh, started a few weeks ago it's the newest project that I that we are doing uh so for the lunchtime at Izakaya, uh, we invented this uh, katsu sandwich. Uh, I mean, beef katsu sandwich is kind of a thing now. It's getting super popular in New York City. Mm. A lot of restaurants do wagyu beef katsu sandwich. Uh, so katsu means a cutlet. Yeah, like a cutlet. Yeah, fried deep fried cutlet. So uh, yeah, we thought about doing something similar to that, uh, but we wanted to stay classic to what the katsu sando is and then katsu sando i think is the original version of that is all his pork and beef katsu cutlet mm. is a kind of a new thing and and i prefer to eat beef as a steak not <laughs> i don't usually eat the beef fried so we wanted to make the best uh pork cut sandwich uh mm. and yeah we invented this uh slowly cooked uh like uh, in low temperature cooking pork uh, before frying, we cook the pork uh, slowly in a low temperature, that which makes like the hours. pork juice. Yeah, and it's eight <laughs> hours for pork and then two hours for sauce. And I don't think nobody in Japan, even in Japan, spends as much energy as to make just the katsu sandwich. Yeah, <laughs> it is. Uh, yeah, like you just get the pork, cut it, and then bread it. 
and fry. That's the regular katsudo. So mm. about that's like your addictive cabbage. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> we're we calling like the best katsudo just because of the work that we put. Um, uh, the, the, the amount of work we put into it's it's a lot. And then yeah, I think we really believe that it's like one of the best katsudo. I mean, for me, it's the best I've ever tried. Mm. So yeah, we are at the uh, Smogasberg. Uh, trying to reach a lot of uh, people from all over the countries mm. uh, so by for selling. Yeah, listeners who are not familiar with the Smogasberg, it started uh, in 2011, and uh, people call it the Woodstock of eating. Basically, it's uh, at the weekend um, food festival with yes. about like 70 mm-hmm. vendors of yeah. all the food, <laughs> and really a lot of people go, and a lot of uh, locals and tourists uh, go to that festival mm. to enjoy a variety of foods and right it's it's but it's hard to be a vendor and it's almost like um you know incubator of great right. food businesses yeah uh i think to be yeah it's very competitive because a lot of people want to be uh, at the smogaspark and it took us a while to to get a, a booth there mm. uh, but finally we got it a few weeks ago we started uh, uh this uh, last month in yeah, we are selling uh, Japanese sandwiches uh, to just show people that Japan also offers amazing like uh, sandwiches. Mm. Not just, you know, Japan is known for a rice country, it's, but then I think we also have amazing bread uh, and sandwiches. And so we're doing uh, not only katsu sando, but we're also doing the fruit sandwich. That's also a big thing in Japan. Mm. So, yeah, we call our uh, place Sandos because Sando is a, bi- uh, is, the, is, is a way of calling Japanese sandwich in Japanese language. So. Mm. Yeah, well, it's um, interesting because Japanese bread is fluffier mm-hmm. and uh, softer yeah. and square. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And uh, it's a lesson, but I think, um, you know, the rice has been a staple for a long time that bread tend to be more flavored mm. in Japan. There's more butter in it, shortenings. Yes. Mm-hmm. And so it's a different idea of bread compared to salado yeah. here right. or French baguette yeah. in France. Yeah, we even, uh, like, after we uh, built the uh, katsu sando, we uh, uh, pan fried the, uh, the bread uh, with the butter too. So it soaks mm. the uh, nice taste of butter too inside. It's just really for the katsu sando, it's... A lot of work that we're doing even outside we do the same thing and yeah i think it's I ho- i'm hoping that people understand the beauty of sandwiches in mm. japanese yeah. right well by the way i i looked up what the origin of a katsando so according to what i read it's uh the origin was uh one tonkatsu pork mm-hmm. katsu restaurant in ueno and started in 1935 mm. and uh, that was originally made for geisha Oh. Who couldn't open mouth? Uh, big, so small <laughs> piece of sandwich. Yeah, ours is like the thickest one that <laughs> <laughs> I don't think. No yeah. forgation. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Right. So, yeah. So it's um sounds very Western, but it's the traditional Japanese style. Mm-hmm. Right. Okay. Um. So which smogaspark? There are like different smogaspark. Uh, yeah. Sa- Saturday in Williamsburg and Sunday in Prospect Park. Mm. Yeah, we are. Uh, on both days, yeah, uh, from 11 uh, a.m. to 6 p.m. Mm. Yes. Yeah. Okay, so it's Sandos. Yes. I have to look for it. Okay, so, um, yeah, the I, I know that you have not only restaurants, but you have many other interests 
in mm. your life. Right. So, um, what's your ultimate goal of uh, doing many things? Yeah, I'm. I'm. I'm not trying to be a person in the food industry only. I'm. Uh, I think. I don't even consider myself as a restaurateur, but I'm uh, trying to be a person who introduce, who can introduce what I love with passion and love, and making it popular, making it a thing here. Uh, so, me, uh, I was in a fashion industry. I still like clothing, and I still collect the vintage clothing, and it's just. I do many things, but one thing uh, for me is just do whatever I like and then just talk with the fun stories and trying to make everything popular. Just I'm trying to be more like an ambassador of whatever I like. Mm. Yeah, and it's usually Japanese thing. So uh, yeah, I'm, that's what I'm trying to do now. Mm, right, effectively, you're bridging cultures. Mm. So okay, so um, what's your plan? My plan, uh, well, so when I uh, established the company uh, for the izakaya, uh, I named the uh, name of company as Shiawase Factory. Mm. So it's a factory uh, that Shiawase means happiness uh, being made. So mm. yeah, that's basically what I'm trying to do. I want to make many, many places that people can be happy so it can be anything it doesn't have to be a restaurant it can be a anything and i want to help a lot of people you know by having a lot of places we can involve more people and yeah we can if something is fun and if i like that too we can make that happen and that's my goal to do uh, mm. from now yes Okay, great. So it's a happiness maker. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, where can we find your latest about your restaurants and other happy happiness <laughs> production? Well, we don't really have a website. Uh, the best way that I, I mean, the place that I spend my most time <laughs> is at the Izakaya still. So, okay. Well, please come and try our food and talk to me. <laughs> okay, yeah. great. So that's the, the izakaya.com. Right, that's the place. Yeah, and the, the izakaya.ny. That's oh, the website, but we don't really use it much. So the best way is actually coming to the restaurant. <laughs> come and eat, share <laughs> yeah, the happiness. In person, yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> okay, that's great. Yeah. All right, so uh, thank you for joining us today, Yudai. Yeah, thank you very much. Okay, so listeners, if you have any questions or comments about the show or suggestions for show topics or guests, please contact us at japanese.heritageradionetwork.org or akikotema.com. And Japan Needs is live at 3 p.m. on Mondays and always available at heritageradionetwork.org, iTunes, Stitcher, and Spotify as a podcast. And our engineer today is um, um, Matt Peterson. And thank you for listening. I'll see you next week. Thanks for listening to Heritage Radio Network, food radio supported by you. For our freshest content and to hear about exclusive events, subscribe to our newsletter. Enter your email at the bottom of our website, heritageradionetwork.org. Connect with us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter at heritage underscore radio. Heritage Radio Network is a nonprofit organization driving conversations to make the world a better, fairer, more delicious place. And we couldn't do it without support from listeners like you. 
Want to be a part of the food world's most innovative community? Rate the shows you like, tell your friends, and please join our community by becoming a member. Just click on the beating heart at the top right of our homepage. Thanks for listening.